0: Hello, and welcome to another real estate investment education and training podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dope. And today, I'm sitting down with Omar Gabriel with Academy Mortgage. Uh, I've known Omar for a while. He's helped out a lot of our clients, uh, just really key in, uh, in talking mortgage and understands everything about him. And uh, I couldn't imagine not referring uh, Omar to uh, somebody. So today, I want to talk about what's Then coming across my desk is forbearance versus deferral, and given the COVID-19, where we're at, we're going to dive into kind of, is that really a strategy or not a good strategy when you talk about forbearance? But first, I want to have Omar give a little background on himself and talk about Academy Mortgage, and then we'll roll into the podcast. So Omar, welcome, and uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you, Derek. I appreciate it. Uh, I, uh Omar grill with Academy Mortgage in Seattle. Um, Academy is a national lender. We are a private independent lender. Um, we've been around since 1988. Solid company. Uh Personally, I'm a Seattle native and a graduate of the Seattle University School of Law. I've been in mortgage in one form or another since 2002. Um, so, yeah, long, long time in the industry. These are unprecedented times that we're in. I'm happy to be here with you today.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I'm glad you had some time. I know you're really busy, especially with clients that are thinking about uh, either refinance or purchase or getting in the wings ready to be ready when the interest rates uh, are in a position where they want to do a refi. So um, when it comes to forbearance, I, I know you've had uh, a lot of experience in this and a lot of conversations around it. And Some of the clients and just people in general are asking me, you know, is it okay for me to do a forbearance and then when you talk to them, you're not sure exactly what a forbearance really means. So if you could start out with like, what is a forbearance when it comes to mortgage? Yeah, and yeah, great question. I'd be happy to. So I'm
1: glad you're asking the question. That is this is the right place to start. This is definitely the start of this whole topic and conversation, is just defining what that means. Um most of the time when clients are asking, they don't use the term forbearance. Usually the question is phrased something like, hey, can I defer my payments or, you know, what does it look like if I am able to get a deferral on my mortgage? When a client says deferral, that is a flag. They are really referring to a forbearance. A deferral is a forbearance. Uh, Now, there are different ways that a forbearance can be handled. There are, are, um, to my knowledge, there are really kind of three main ways or means of doing a forbearance. so, you know, I just want to be really clear when a client says do a deferral, <clears throat> that's one of the ways of doing a forbearance, but it is a forbearance. So it's important, I think, when when anybody asks that question, if they're coming to you for advice and asking about a deferral, it's important that you start directly with the client in setting the, setting the uh, terminology clear from the start and letting them know, hey, this is a forbearance, so just so you know, that's what we're talking about. This is, a, this is a forbearance. It's not something as simple as deferring your mortgage. So um, within the forbearance umbrella, like I said, there are really three main uh, sort of models or mechanisms to do this type of uh, uh, process. The first one is a true forbearance. What that means is usually it is a period of time where the borrower does not have to make mortgage payments. The interest continues to accrue. The payments are essentially tacked up, added on, and then they are due at the end of the the forbearance period. So, for example, someone who's given a three-month forbearance, um, let's say uh, today is, what, April 23rd. Let's say that someone has a three-month forbearance coming up. So they basically get to skip May, June, July payments. So for May, June, and July, they have no mortgage payment at all. Uh August 1st, they have a large balloon payment that comes due. So on August 1st, they're paying four months' worth of payments at once. They're paying the May, June, July, and August payments altogether. Um, This is kind of the classic forbearance model uh, that many lenders use. And that payment that comes due at, you know, the end of the forbearance, like I said, it's the accumulation of all of the previous months of payments plus the current month that's due. Um, So, you know, this is really, this is really scary. I mean, frankly, it's a scary thing for many people because, you know, if you have a hard time making your house payment today, how are you going to handle four or five plus months of payments when they come due? So uh, this is the first sort of model. The second the second um, model or way that it's done is through a deferral, which is the most common today that people are hearing and asking about. A deferral is where um, they get a certain number of months off, you know, up to 12 months under the CARES Act that was passed, and those payments are essentially pushed to the end of the loan. So in this deferral uh, model, they typically are able to just push those payments off, and then kind of pick right back up at the end of the period, and the payments get tacked on either to the very end of the loan or sometimes they're spread out over the remaining term of the loan. Uh, Some lenders also will do a deferral and then take the amount that's deferred and spread it out over uh, a shorter period of time. Really, there's not one specific uh, model that fits all. Every lender has the discretion and the ability to offer, you know, whatever they see fit. So there's not a uniform way that lenders are approaching this. Um, the
0: third, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I'll get to the third one because so I, I, I wanted to jump in there with uh, at the end, is kind of talking about how, how are they looked at? You know, how do the lenders look at that? Yeah. Day? So do the third yeah, one yeah. and let's hit that question.
1: Yeah. The third one, really, not a whole lot. Uh, the third one is really kind of more of what's called a modification. So a modification where, you know, again, they allow the client, they allow the borrower to put off payments for a certain amount of time, and then they actually modify the terms of the loan, you know, going forward after that. The modifications, these are much more rare. Uh, we saw a lot of these types of modifications come out of the 2008 recession. Most of the clients that I saw coming out of that period who were in distressed situations had modifications that were done. Um, and that actually is a great segue into your question about how these are looked at and handled because, uh, you know, I want to say up front and be really transparent and clear and honest that what I'm going to say is how we look at these today, and I have a feeling that six months, 12 months, uh, you know, uh, five years from now, these may be looked at differently in the future than they are today, especially given kind of the prevalence and how big of an issue this is becoming. These may be looked at more leniently in the future than we do right now. That's a hope. Um, and I think the only way to safely kind of advise clients about how to predict, or, or I'm sorry, how to navigate through this these decisions in these times right now is to be safe and be conservative and just assume worst case scenario that it's actually not going to get any better. If it does get better, then great. But I think it's safe to assume that, you know, things are going to be yep. at least... As tight as there now so um, so to your question uh, if a client enters into forbearance on their mortgage it doesn't matter whether it's a forbearance a modification uh, deferral that loan immediately becomes ineligible for refinancing with any lender that I am aware of so if a client does a forbearance on their home that will show up on their credit report immediately uh, whether or not it, it harms their credit score really is based on that individual lender and how they handle their reporting to the credit bureaus. It is very clear in the CARES Act legislation that lenders are not supposed to, uh, you know, re- adversely report uh, missed payments or skipped payments under this to the credit bureaus. So, technically, theoretically, someone that does a forbearance shouldn't see their credit score go down. Um, those are the letters of the law and how it's actually interpreted and in, implemented by each individual lender is obviously going to be, it's obviously going to vary from one place to the next. Technically, it shouldn't hurt your credit score. That being said, even without it actually hurting your credit score, we have already seen, and I've had this happen already with uh, more than, more than a couple Brighton Jones clients where um, the lender reports the loan as being in deferral or in forbearance. And again, uh, this is very nuanced. This is not a drop in credit score. This is the way the actual account itself is reflected on the credit report. There are notations on the mortgage itself that says account in deferral status or account in forbearance status or impacted by a disaster. That's the notation that we've seen. Flagstar, for example, has been has flagged every single mortgage client of theirs has flagged their accounts, whether or not they initiated a forbearance activity. When an account is flagged as being impacted by a forbearance, it is ineligible to be refinanced. Um, You know, we can't – even prior to this pandemic, if a client had reached out to us, say, in January and wanted to refinance their loan, and they had done a forbearance a year ago or five years ago, if if it said forbearance on the mortgage account that we were going to try to refinance, it was ineligible to refinance. So you really – Basically, what you're doing is you're completely sh- shutting off any future opportunity to refinance that loan.
0: Separate and, from, and, I was say, I guess it's, it's one thing too when, when it's a forbearance based on necessity, where actually something has happened. But from a strategy perspective of you're in, you have the means to take care of the obligation, but you're seeing this as an opportunity to try to just maneuver cash flow around because we're in a time in a pandemic that allows us to have those conversations and, and banks are being generous and allowing that to happen. So, correct. Uh, at, yeah. so as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking of it in two scenarios. One is those I mean, who are actually impacted. I mean, you have to do this. And I totally get that. And I had a similar situation in 2008 with a couple of investment properties I had and had to go with hat in hand to the bank and say, look, I can't make these payments can we work together. And we're able to work together and take care of that. And it all worked out well, but, to go in and just try to take advantage of the situation, one, is not morally right. And two, it doesn't help you. It sounds like as a strategy, if anything it's going to hurt you because you think you're that's right. moving ahead yeah. and you're actually moving backwards.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. This, this relief is intended to be, you know, exactly for the type of situation that you're describing. This is intended for people who are using it as an absolute last, resort who have no alternative and are literally having to make a decision between making their mortgage payment versus, you know, being able to put food on the table and keep their life on. Um, so, you know, for the average client who has, you know, a portfolio who, you know, may have seen a, obviously a drop in their portfolio, but still has a portfolio and has the ability to pick and choose where they're going to be putting their money and investing. Their, I mean, this is not, this is not designed for those people. This is designed for your, your folks that are living paycheck to paycheck and, and when that paycheck stops, have no way to be able to pay their bills. So, yeah, it's not a cash flow strategy at
0: all. And it's definitely not a hope. I mean, you mentioned earlier about, you know, we're hoping that the banking institutions look at this in a little different light than they would today, but as we all know, hope is not a strategy. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and I keep coming back to the idea that it's, what is morally right? You know, I mean, to try to take advantage of a situation to move yourself ahead personally um, is not what this is intended for. You know, it, 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 yeah, it, no, it's and intended uh, to help.
1: Yeah, it is. It is intended to help. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, this I don't want to get off topic because obviously it's not specifically related to our conversation yeah, today. Sure. But but you know, like you, t- you take a look at the PPP. You know that that uh, you're now already already within weeks. We're hearing. Fallout and pushback from, you know, big large businesses that took advantage of this PPP that was designed for employees with with or for firms with less than 500 employees, you know, and I I really think that um, as we go through these times, like history will not reflect kindly on those that took advantage of the situation and circumstances, and you know, whether that is just in in day-to-day life or if it's a legal action, who knows? I mean, to your point, it's just not – it's not an ethical thing to do, and, you know, people should not be trying to just take advantage. And most aren't. I mean, from what I understand, the vast majority, you know, over 97 percent, I've read in the in the Mortgage Bankers Association reported that, you know, most of those, the vast majority of them, are truly dire circumstances, truly dire situations. Um, But, you know, it's always the 1% or 2% that ruin it for everyone else. Yeah, so –
0: well, and that and that's exactly it. I, I was just saying the same thing. I like to I like to look at everybody and give everybody the benefit of the doubt that everyone's going to do the right thing. We all know that some aren't, and I'm okay with there's going to be a little error uh, of, of of that. But I can still look at people that I know that we work with. You know, very fortunate that uh, you know the clients that we work with. Um, you know, just, I, I'm, just I, I'm blessed to be in a great company with really good clients. I guess that's the best way to put it. And, yeah. and usually. Yeah. The conversations, all the conversations we have aren't around how to take advantage. It's more of how can I help, which is great. So there are questioning yeah, helping others.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I I, I want to, on that note, I want to also say that, uh, you know, people shouldn't feel ashamed for asking the question. You know, the problem is, the problem really isn't with the clients asking the question. In my opinion, and I, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but in my opinion, the problem really comes from the top down. The problem comes from the way that our politicians have, have portrayed this as payment relief, mortgage relief. You know, and unfortunately this was sold to the American public as, you know, a, a, a freebie. I mean, it really was. There's a reason that we have clients with millions of dollars in the bank asking about doing deferrals. It's not because, for most of them, it's not because they want to take advantage of the system. It's because they truly, legitimately, genuinely thought There was just a free opportunity to defer their payments. So, you know, hey, if there's something that's out there as a benefit, why wouldn't they take advantage of it? So, you know, it's it's put us in the mortgage business and, you know, folks like you who are advising clients in a really tough position where we have to be the reality check and say, you know, I, I totally understand why you're asking the question. And I don't I don't I'm not judging you for asking the question, but let me explain what it really is. It's not what you thought it was. It's not the way that it was portrayed in the media. It's actually, you know, a life raft for people that are just about to drown.
0: So, yeah, yeah, no, and then, and and that—that's when you think about the strategy, and you think about, you know, what's a good strategy? Yeah, (laughs) it it, kind of, kind of goes that same, same mindset of if you think it's too good to be true. Yeah, it probably is. And 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 so I mean, even even I mean, while we're off on a couple of the tangents, property taxes, right? We got deferral of property taxes. In our area, and many other jurisdictions as well got the deferral of their uh, property taxes pushed out. Well, the question is, do you pay it like you normally would, or are you going to wait? And you mentioned earlier, that's all fine and good to push things out, but then you're going to have a balloon at that point in time that might butt up to another obligation that you have right. financially. And now you're making, you know, yeah. three mortgage payments plus whatever that other financial obligation yeah. was at that time, and it could come back to yeah. this, put you in a little bit of a – a quandary as, as far as how do you take care of that? So, um, yeah, you know, you know
1: I, um, that's a tough. One. You know, another good another good example of this, Derek, Do you remember? So, coming out of the 2008 recession, one of the things that the uh, the administration did, and I, I'm not going to say the Bush administration or the Obama administration because, truthfully, I don't remember which one actually enacted this specific thing that I'm going to talk about. But so part of the TARP program, the Troubled Asset Relief Program, that was designed to help motivate the economy and get people moving again i don't know if you recall do you remember they did that eight thousand dollar uh incentive for people for first-time buyers to buy a home it was you know you were going to get an eight thousand dollar tax credit yeah it was awesome and everyone in the industry was super excited about it and it was looked at like this really great thing and You know, it was they announced it, and it was going to be available for six months, and it was really going to be a shot in the arm to help get people moving again, and, you know, eight grand for your average first-time buyer is is not an immaterial amount. Well, they they did this, and then, you know, we had, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands of people uh, took advantage of it, and then after the fact, with a lot less, you know, uh, fanfare for sure, they said, oh, well actually these are actually going to be (laughs) loans so you know all the people that got that eight thousand dollar tax credit well turns out they're actually looked at now as loans now granted there's zero percent loans you know and you have one or two or i don't i can't remember how much time they gave people to pay it back but you know again it was just kind of an example of like there is no such thing as a free lunch and uh and it was really unfortunate because i was one of those people i mean that's why i remember this so clearly because I bought my first home in 2007 and uh, I was one of those people that that looked at that $8,000 credit and thought, wow, that'd be really nice to take advantage of that. Um, And then after the fact, like I said, it turned out it wasn't a grant or a gift or anything like that. It was, it ended up being a loan that had to be repaid. So
0: yeah, there's always, there's always ways to kind of tap things on um, and, uh, and, and, and you see it, you know, in a lot of effort, but I mean, at the highest level, the goal here just get everybody back to working, let's get everybody, you know, be, making sure they have a roof over their head, um, making sure they have the opportunity not being kicked out of their apartment or out of their home, and the mortgage is just another one of those. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I'm seeing, like I said, the deferment, the forbearance, but you know, the idea is, is forbearance really a strategy or a good strategy. And I think forbearance has a place, but if you don't need it and you can stay on your normal course of action of paying how you pay, that's a suggestion that we'd always make. Um, yes, yeah. just thinking of this yeah. as a financial vehicle to defer some monies to put monies elsewhere, uh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. well, as, as we wrap up here, Omar, um, any closing words on mortgages in themselves, like where, where the market is, or kind of if you were thinking if 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 you were, if somebody was thinking of buying a house or refinancing a house over the next you know sixty days, forty-five days, it's called ninety days, sixty-ninety days. What do you think would be a good strategy for them and what should they do?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the best, best advice that I could give people right now is just to have their ducks in a row, get ready, um, be prepared to strike quickly. The market is incredibly, incredibly hot and competitive. I mean, you would be shocked to hear the multiple offer escalations that we're seeing left and right uh, in the middle of a lockdown. I had, This past weekend alone, I had eight clients make offers on homes, eight. uh, And, you know, to have that in a lockdown weekend is truly incredible. Almost all of them were multiple offer. You know, we had one client that had 13 offers uh, they were competing with on their home. Wow.
0: So, you know, it is.
1: It's nuts. So the best thing people can do, you know, is put themselves in the position to be ready to go if they're thinking about buying, get pre-approved, have that fully underwritten approval done and ready to go. Um, if clients are thinking about refinancing rates are still darn near all time lows, uh, not quite as great as they were a month ago, but you know, an eighth of a percent off. So this is, this is practically as good as it's, as it's been. Um, and you know, certainly worth always taking a look for people.
0: And, and, and if somebody wanted to reach out to you, Omar, what's the best way that, for them to do that?
1: Uh, yeah, they can call, uh, 206-582-5979 is our direct line or um, academymortgage.com is our website. And, uh, you know, we're happy to engage. And, you know, I, I want to make that offer not just obviously for sales, for, you know, people interested in doing that, but also for this forbearance topic. I mean, I really feel like anyone that we can help right now understand the true implications and and downstream impacts of what a forbearance would mean for them is really a service that we can provide. And there's obviously zero skin in the game for us uh, in terms of, like, you know, uh, cost or anything like that. We're not, there's no fees. Anyone that is thinking about or contemplating doing a deferral of modification of forbearance strongly advise that you talk to any mortgage professional, Um, and we are always here happy to help, happy to jump on the phone and do a 15, 20-minute call just to explain what it means, and and no one should be doing anything like this without talking to a mortgage lender other than their existing servicer to get an unbiased, you know, honest opinion and feedback about it, so.
0: No, that's great, and I appreciate that, Omar. I know you've done it multiple times for me when I've sent over a quick note, and you're quick to get back and saying, hey, here's a good strategy, here's what you think about um, so I know that offer doesn't go out empty and, uh, have done it multiple times, uh, on my behalf and as well as others within the firm. So, um, again, I want to thank you, Omar, for participating and I thank the listeners for listening to this podcast. And as always, if you have any other questions, uh, concerns, um, just want to reach out, um, you can reach, uh, email me or, um, send me a, a direct message through the, uh, the podcast. Uh, thanks a lot and everybody have a great day.